Welcome to AZ Politicast. I'm Steve Goldstein. If social media defined every aspect of our lives, then we would be under the impression that unless we belong to the same political party, Arizonans agree on very little, and we disagree very loudly and rudely. Although that is part of our reality, fortunately many in our communities love living here, get along pretty well with our neighbors, and are on similar wavelengths on what needs improvement, even if we're not on the same page about how to bring about the solutions. The Center for the Future of Arizona marks its 20th anniversary later this year, and surveys conducted by the organization, the Arizona We Want, and the Arizona Voters Agenda provide firm data and reason for optimism about this state and how we as residents can go forward. My guest is Center for the Future of Arizona Chair, President, and CEO, Sybil Francis. Our Easy Politicast conversation starts now as she explains what the group's priorities were when it was founded and whether those have changed over two decades. Yes, it's very exciting to be celebrating our 20th anniversary. And I would say that our priorities have really always been the same, uh, but we're just in much better position to deliver on those now since we started very small and now we've really expanded our work and our impact. But from the beginning, we were committed to a really big uh, mission of bringing Arizonans together to create a stronger and brighter future for our state. And in many ways, the last 20 years has been figuring out how can we do that more and more effectively. So we've always thought long-term and big picture about Arizona. We've always been data-based. How do we uh, get a sense of reality about who we are as Arizonans and what Arizonans prioritize and what kind of work should we be doing to advance our state? And we call ourselves a do tank which is how do we take good ideas and research and all the things that we know and turn them into action for the better for Arizona. And we also uh, work very much through partnerships. We're not a sole, sole actor. We, we pride ourselves in being really great at bringing people together around uh, common concerns and figuring out how to move forward in a positive way. And one of the really important, impactful things that um, I think the average Arizonan was able to get involved with. And then it led to uh, some of the, the big thinkers in the state really considering some ideas, perhaps they hadn't considered it quite the same way, was the Arizona we want. How did that come about? And, and how did that really reflect what CFA was trying to accomplish? So as I mentioned, we tried to be to figure out as we went along how to more effectively serve Arizona and our mission. And we came upon the idea of, you know, we may be smart, uh, but we're probably not smart enough to decide for the whole state what we should be doing. So we really uh, decided we would partner with a, a, a public opinion survey firm to really dig into what do Arizonans really care about? How do we center the voices of Arizonans in all our work? So that's where the idea of partnering with the Gallup organization, which of course is the gold standard of public opinion survey research, and we did our first major survey in the 2008-2009 period, and that was really an eye-opener in terms of understanding who we are as Arizonans and what Arizonans prioritize for our future. The Arizona Voters Agenda seems like a natural companion to that. What did you learn from the Arizona We Want that you wanted to implement with the Arizona Voters Agenda? So when we did our first Gallup survey, we really did not know what we were going to find. We went into it with a very open mind. It was very important to us that we had a scientifically valid survey across the entire state. So when I say it was a massive survey, we had 3,500 responses, which for anyone who follows survey research is a huge number. But we wanted to make sure that we could speak with confidence 
across all demographics, Republican, independent, um, Democrats, uh, income levels, education levels, race and ethnicity, sexual identity, whether you live in a rural area or, or an urban area, education level. And so by doing that, we really feel very confident about our findings. And what was really astounding in that first survey we did was we discovered that Arizonans agree on much more than we disagree on the most important issues. And we used to joke that even people from Phoenix and Tucson agree more than they disagree because we all know about the rivalries between those two, two cities in some ways. So, so it was fascinating and important insight that we um, discovered through that research. It really set a foundation, a, a foundational um, platform for not only our work, but for our communicating with, with others across the state policy makers, uh, community leaders, uh, employers, and others that we share this information. So it was really a 10-year vision that, that we call the Arizona we want, and it continues to evolve. We did another big survey like that with Gallup in 2020, and it was really interesting that even in the midst of a very partisan uh, uh, and divisive national dialogue, as well as in Arizona, this narrative of polarization and division that we we hear about all the time, the hottest summer on record, the murder of George Floyd, and, and not to mention a hotly contested uh, presidential election, we had the same results. We found that Arizonans agree on much more than we disagree on the most important issues. And we, in fact, identified what we call seven shared public values along all the big issues that you can imagine, education, jobs, healthcare, the environment, uh, and a number of other issues. And when we call them a shared public value, we're very strict about those findings, which is 70% of Arizonans need to agree on those issues. So, so that was the foundation that we had over two major surveys 10 years apart. I kind of got addicted to data about Arizonans. And so I was thinking, how do I, I don't want to wait another 10 years data because the Gallup survey is so big that it's really not something we can do uh, too often. And it was also the middle of a, an election year. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting to do something a little bit more contemporary, focused on some of the issues, the same issues, but, but how are they being discussed today? What are the big questions on the table? And so we came up with this idea of, of creating something called the Arizona Voters Agenda. So we went, uh, we partnered with an Arizona-based firm to do that work and really wanted to know what do Arizona's likely voters, Republican, Democrat, and independent, I always want to make that clear because sometimes people say to me, well, did you only talk to Republicans or did you only talk to Democrats? We took the same approach. We want a very representative sample of Arizona's likely voters, and we asked them what mattered to them. To make it onto the Arizona voters agenda, we had to have 50% agreement uh, across the board, strong agreement. But also we wanted to make sure that we didn't have lopsided issues. For example, you know, 90% support by one party uh, and 10% by, uh, by, by likely voters from another party. So we also required for an issue to make it onto the Arizona voters agenda, that it have 50% support among each of the subgroups. So 50% Democrat, 50% Republican, and 50% independent non-affiliated voters. And it was fascinating because the issues really came out very much 
uh, in line with our previous Gallup work and um, that the Arizona voters, likely voters across all those um, uh, political parties uh, agree on much more than we disagree on those big issues around education, funding, um, uh, immigration, uh, concerns around water and other important issues. What we wanted to do was to, to bring these findings to light, certainly put them in front of candidates running for office because the question that was posed to likely voters was, what would you like the candidates running for office to be talking about? And it was um, sobering because many of the issues that the voters prioritize were not the issues that were being discussed by the candidates running for office. What does data like that tell us considering everything we hear day after day at the political level is often about one side or the other needing to declare victory or not necessarily, though there are some exceptions certainly, but not necessarily wanting to find a way to the middle in terms of problem solving. What do you think is the possibility of of this data being used to show that there is a another way, even if CFA is not directing what that way should be? You know, I think you're asking a really important question. And our first objective as the center is to share this information. So the way we do our work is we listen to what matters to Arizonans. We share trusted data. Uh, we identify priority issues, and then we work with communities and leaders to solve help solve public problems. So our very first objective is to put this information out there so that people can look at it and start asking the question, why do we seem to have these disconnects? Why is it that year after year of surveys, you know, we have 14 years of surveys that show these big agreements among Arizonans on the most important issues. So this is not just some fluke uh, finding. It's not some you know, fly-by-night survey with just a handful of voters that are, you know, with, with leading questions. These are massive, massive uh, amount of data that we have that show this. So it is very clear to me, and I've been asking myself for years, why do we have this disconnect between what Arizona voters and Arizonans say is important to them and what we hear in our political narrative and, and also what we hear, you know, from candidates running for office? And dare I say, you know, some of the conversations that go on in our politics in our state. So I think we first want to share that data and, and, and prompt people to ask that question. Um, you know, I've asked myself that question, and um, I, I, I think that we have probably a systemic issue that's going on here. You know, if you look at how we elect our um, elected representatives, we have a primary system that really tends to to speak to or favor the minority of voices in both parties. And, and then we have a huge section of independents who have some barriers to participation in, in those primaries. So we have emerging from the primary system, people who have been speaking to their base. You know, we often hear about you know, speaking to the base and then they emerge into a general election. So we often expect uh, candidates running for office to pivot. Well, you know, you could ask yourself the question, well, why do we need people to pivot? Why shouldn't they just be talking to the majority of voters? Shouldn't they be competing with each other, candidates running for office, to appeal to the largest number of people that, that we can? But that's not how the system works. So I do think that um, those that's an important question to ask. I know there's efforts underway to look at reforming our primary and general election system so that it's more representative of the general 
um, outlook of Arizonans. What kind of resource or source of leadership do you want CFA to be specifically as it relates to that data uh, that voters and candidates and election officials can turn to or utilize over the next 12 to 18 months? We first and foremost want to share this information so that people are aware of it. Our theory of change really is that trusted data in the hands of leaders and people in our communities equip them to make better decisions. So whether that whether you're running for office or you're running a school district, you know, this information will equip you to make better decisions. It also can highlight where we have have problems. So if you look at our education data, we don't have great third grade reading results. Um, you know, in our state. If you look at our election, um, uh, uh, if you look at, at the policy issues that are being addressed or not addressed, you see gaps between what Arizonans care about and what we hear about in our politics. So we want to be a trusted source of data. We want to help drive change through supporting our leaders with that information so they can make better decisions and ultimately to have better outcomes of from our politics, from our education system and other systems. Going back to the Arizona We Want survey, what does that data actually quantify about how much people who live here actually love Arizona, want it to be a wonderful place for themselves and their families? Well, I will put myself in the 70% of Arizonans who call themselves proud to live in Arizona. <laughs> um, 62% of Arizonans say it's the perfect place for them. I'm definitely in that category myself. Um, we don't have as much agreement on whether or not we're headed in the right right direction. The last time we surveyed on this, only 44% agreed that the state was heading in the right direction. My guess is it may, may be a little lower now. Now, on the positive side, you know, we identified these seven shared public values and, and actions that Arizonans support to advance our state. And I think also in our surveys, we asked Arizonans, you know, would you be willing to sit down with someone who disagreed with you to talk through things? And 75% of Arizonans said yes. So I think there's really, really great hope and, and optimism that we're bringing to the table because uh, every day when I see the data that we have, I feel so inspired and so excited because I know who we are as Arizonans. And when I share this information with others, the um, responses are so heartwarming. I, most people say, of course, this is who we are. I knew this all the time. And all the rhetoric that we hear about polarization and division is just, um, you know, a, an exaggeration and, a, and an advancing of, you know, minority of voices in our state. So I think we do have this groundswell of people who, who feel, you know, that they want practical solutions and a bright future for our state. And I think if we find ways to tap into that, that we um, we we will be on a great path. You know, we've lost the power of newspapers, which yes, the editorial pages might drive people crazy, but for the most part, we used to agree on what news was and the gathering place for us to go to find out data, facts, et cetera. And then, of course, we've run into to problems with that of late. Do you see CFA with the Arizona We Want, Arizona Voters Agenda, other things, being a place that can be uh, part of that? the new public square, a public square in and of itself to, to bring people together to discuss ideas, learn about facts, and then, you know, go back to that playing field of disagreeing about what the solution should be, as opposed to disagreeing about what the reality is. 
Absolutely. In many ways, we already have been playing this role. It's just a matter of how do we continue to, to build that out. We've been running what we call community conversations for many years, where we bring uh, data that's relevant to that community uh, to the table to help start those uh, constructive conversations about where there's opportunity to come together for positive change. You know, I think another thing that's important about our organization is we are partisans on behalf of Arizonans. We are we have no other axe to grind. So with, you know, I am very respectful of other organizations that may be advocates for certain issues, you know, single issues, but we are advocates on behalf of Arizonans. And so I think we can be trusted because we, you know, we, we don't come with a particular point of view, but rather with the point of view of what is going to help fulfill the hopes and dreams of Arizonans. And we bring, we're a nonpartisan organization and we bring trusted data and we work very hard at making sure that we are um, always using um, trusted data. And we're really committed to centering the voices of Arizonans. So absolutely, you know, the, the more we can bring this information about Arizonans to light and the more we can have constructive conversations that lead, that they really um, lead to opportunities to come together for positive change. Um, that's really what we're about. Well, it's such a wonderful phrase to partisans on behalf of Arizona, because we think of partisan, of course, related to political party ideology. That's really exciting that there could be partisanship on just behalf of, of a state and its people. Well, in many ways, I almost feel, I mean, this conversation is making me think about what we do in the in, in, a, in a slightly new light, which is we need a counterweight to all this um, narrative of polarization and division. We just need a counterweight. And, and that's what we are, because we... We've been talking to Arizonans for 14 years uh, through these uh, extensive surveys. And, and so we know what Arizonans care about. You and your family have had such an influence on what goes on here. Did the results of the Arizona We Want ring true for you, reflect what you were feeling? Did you notice a certain time that maybe you were excited to come here, but you weren't sure what was going to be there? And then did it take you some time to embrace or were you sort of ready. I know there's about nine questions in one there, but I just want to really get your personal perspective. Yeah. So I did not know very much about Arizona before we moved here. I grew up um, all up and down the East Coast and lived and worked there for most of my professional career till my husband and I moved here. But I was open-minded about it, although a lot of our friends, we moved here from New York City. You know, at that time there were in 2002, I guess there were a lot of fires and there was all these reports in the news about gangs in Phoenix and all this kind of thing. And so I really did not know what to expect. But as I like to tell people, I landed here. Oh, and I should say, I also thought I would die of the heat. Literally, I thought they must have a genetic, <laughs> you know, mutations. You know, those people who live out in Arizona, like, how do they even do that? But as soon as we landed, I fell in love with this place. I will and felt like an Arizonan right away. I will say though that my love of Arizona has deepened over the years. And I think, you know, certainly as you get to know a place and, you know, it was such an open community, so welcoming, it was just incredible. But I, I do think that this survey research has kind of put some data in some ways behind my feeling, which is that Arizonans are my people. You know, they're the kinds of people who care uh, about um, you know having a, a stronger and brighter future for our state, who want practical solutions. You know they're very independent-minded, and I love that. Um, you know cherish uh, their independence, and you know we're just a reasonable, pragmatic, 
group of folks here. And so I think that's really deepened my sense of connection. The other thing that's exciting to look at over the last 20 years, this Arizona has really changed and grown in it for the better. There was a time when, you know, we were very concerned about how, uh, you know, such the lack of diversity in our economy that we, we were really reliant on too few um, types of, of enterprises. And now our economy has been incredibly diversified. I think people are growing in their awareness of the importance of, of our environment. Our, in, our results from our surveys show that Arizonans really care about clean air, clean water, protecting our lands. They absolutely love the natural beauty of Arizona. That's probably the highest um, response that we got. 92% of Arizonans say they just absolutely love the natural beauty of this state. So it's just an incredible uh, place to be. And, and the other exciting thing about Arizona to me is that it's still, it, it's, um, you know, a very new state, a young state still. And, and so we have an opportunity to really be one of those laboratories of democracy and, and really think about how do we perfect our democracy. And I think we're still pliable enough and nimble enough, you know, moving here from New York City, it was, it's just so encrusted and, and so rigid in some ways, it's hard to get get any kind of change or anything done. But I think here people are, it's a very flat kind of um, hierarchy. People know each other and are willing to work together. So, you know, I, I think it's just a really exciting place to be. We will stop there. That is Sybil Francis. She is chair, president and CEO of the Center for the Future of Arizona. Sybil, always my pleasure to talk with you. Thanks. I loved it. Thank you so much, Steve. Thanks again to Sybil Francis of the Center for the Future of Arizona. To learn more about CFA, go to ArizonaFuture.org. To hear previous episodes of the AZ Politicast podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll be able to find my conversations with Secretary of State Adrian Fontes and congressional candidates Andre Cherney and Marlene Galan-Woods, among others. To make guest and topic suggestions, please email me at azpoliticast at gmail.com. That's azpoliticast at gmail.com. Music for this podcast comes from Epidemic Sound. I'm Steve Goldstein. Thanks for listening to AZ Politicast. <laughs>